0: following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.
1: Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. God will do something, and uh, I got a word that's, I've been up with Rick Joyner this week up at Morningstar, we've been hanging out some. And uh, there's, uh, I like to get around people that know God and are moving with the Lord. And uh, he started stirring my spirit about uh, talking about a complete salvation. That Jesus didn't just die for our sins, but there's a complete salvation that God wants us to walk in, which is that not only are our sins forgiven, but our bodies are healed. Not just every now and then. Right? But I mean that, that that literally cancer is snuffed out among God's people. That kind of that kind of complete salvation. That God's people aren't walking in bondage. That God's people are living Galatians 5 1. It is for freedom that Christ has made us free. He stirred me about that and uh, we we spent a day fellowshipping around it and this word began to come alive in me because let's be honest, even though we love the Lord and even though we're, you know, we're, the majority of folks here today would be, you know, what we would consider believers, followers of Christ, but how many of you know we still, many of us are living under some curses because I'm going to tell you, sickness is not from God. You say, how do you know that? Whatever's not in heaven is is what should not be on the earth. There ain't no sickness in heaven. Ain't nobody broke in heaven. Ain't nobody having uh, Alzheimer's in heaven. None of this stuff's going on in heaven. That's why he said, as heaven as it is on the earth. And God's original intent was for a people like Israel to be raised up to walk in the blessings and favor of God as a testimony to the whole earth, of who God is and what God can be. And I just, I'm just i convinced that we as the body of Christ need to allow him to cause us to be a better testimony. Amen. See, the, we, we were supposed to be separated from the world. Not in our beha- moral behavior just, uh, just necessarily, but also in blessings. Amen. We were supposed to be that people that when everybody else was broke, we had money. When everybody else was worried about the stock market, we ain't scared. Amen. When rapid, when flu shots go out, we take communion. Amen. Come on. And there's an interesting scripture, I believe it's in Proverbs 26 too. It says something like this. Just as a bird has reason to flee and, and a swallow to fly, So a curse does not come without a reason. If we're living under a curse, there's a reason. It doesn't just randomly come our way. And I'm convinced that the biggest curse, if you will, that brings almost all other curses is the curse of legalism. Look at Galatians 3, 10 through 14 with me. It says something like this. For as many as are of the works of the law were under the curse. Somebody say curse. curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith but the man who does him shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Now, let's get this really quick. Christ, let me let me back up. Sin is not the curse. Sin is the fruit of the curse. The curse is the law. Jesus If Jesus had died for sin, he would have been stoned. That was the penalty in the Bible for sin. But the penalty in the Bible for someone cursed or accursed was hanging on a tree. Jesus didn't die for the fruit. He died for the root. And when we when we don't understand that what happens is through legalism it narrows our minds or our mindset so that God can't move in our lives. We get in a situation where we maybe had failures in the past and what happens is oh we may have been forgiven of the sin but we don't never really come out from under the guilt and shame of it and we live under a legalistic narrowed mindedness, well God, I had a divorce so God probably can't ever use me again. And we get in these legalistic mindsets, we get into circumstances and what happens is, we so get in a legalistic mindset that we got ourselves into it, that we our minds are closed to not think God can get us out of it. That's what legalism does. The New Testament says that's what the Pharisees did. They heaped laws and heaped rules on people, but they did nothing to get them out of it. That's why most people in churches, they, they say the, re- the problem with the church is you don't preach against sin enough. They ask me, Kent, why don't you preach against sin? I said, because everybody's well aware of it. I don't have to tell you What you struggled with this week, you already know that. You're not looking for what you're struggling. You're looking for a solution to what you're struggling with. And I'm here to tell you, his name is Jesus, the son of the living God who broke the curse for us. Stop somebody high five, tell them Jesus is powerful. Let me see if I can take you quickly and show you the root of the curse. It happened in the garden. Genesis 2, 16, 17, the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of the tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day you eat of it, you will surely die. God set up two trees in the center of the garden. He said, you need of every tree here. First first, first powerful nugget. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was set in a finished place. Come on. Touch your neighbor on the head and say, catch up with us. The tree was set in a finished place. God had already done everything and said, it's finished, and it's good. So Adam and Eve were set in a finished place, but there was a tree in the center of it. God said, you need of all of them, but don't eat of this one. There's been all kind of preaching around this, but I'm gonna tell you what I believe this to be the truth about this. Satan did not tempt them to try to get them to disobey God. He simply tempted them to eat of it because he knew that's where his power was. He knew that tree was the source of his power. God didn't put it there to test him. God didn't tell him not to eat it to test him. He simply said don't eat it cause it's poison. And it actually said if you do eat it, he didn't say I will kill you. He said it's simply if you eat it, you'll die. Not I will kill you because you disobedient, but if you ever eat of this, it, you will die because of the fruit of it. In the garden, it was in the center of the garden. That's where self-centeredness comes from. Sin is simply this. When you get self-centered, and try to fix everything in your own human wisdom and human strength, and forget it's God that put you here in the first place. And you lose your identity. The lie of Satan was if you eat of this tree, you'll be like God. Well, they were already like God. But most of us buy into sin because we don't believe that we already have everything we need. We already have all of it inside of us. It was given to us by the grace of God and we think we have to do something else to get it. Jeremiah 17 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. If you're trusting in yourself, what happens, you will build you a legalistic structure. Stress and anxiety and fear are the root of the curse. Before they experienced poverty, sickness, or even death, they experienced stress and fear. Two signs that you've got a legalistic system built in your life is stress and fear. Because it says they, were, they hid themselves from God and they were afraid and tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Hence, Jesus in John cursed the fig tree that only had leaves. He said, this kind of religion is cursed. Here's what I'm telling you, have faith in God. This cursed kind of living, trusting ourselves, this kind of living is cursed. He said, stress, from now on you will will get fruit from the ground by the sweat of your brow. So we see stress and fear is at the root of a legalistic system. And we set ourselves under these legalistic systems, and it's not our fault. Most of it's because of the false teaching and preaching that we've been indoctrinated with. Because Jesus said in Ephesians 5, he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle washed by the water of his word. That tells me the church doesn't have a sin problem. People tell me preach against sin. That's not our problem. Our problem's not sin. If our problem had been sin in Ephesians 5, Jesus would have said he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle having been washed by the blood. Water doesn't cover sin. Blood does. Blood does. But he says he's coming back for a church without Spadarigo who's been washed by the water of the word. What does that speak? We don't have a sin problem, we got a revelation problem. We don't know who we are, we don't know who he is, and we don't know what he can do when we open the door and let him in. Touch three people say I'm about to break down some walls today. Because we were designed to live in relationship with God, not in a list of rule keeping. And I can roll you out some examples. Big one's addiction. Most addicts are still addicts because they have a legalistic mindset built. And the reason they became addicts is they ate of the wrong tree. I wrote a book called No High Like the Most High. Once you, once you taste of what God can do, you won't want heroin no more. I'll be back to y'all in a minute. Once you taste of God's goodness and God's power, that cocaine don't mean the same to you anymore. Once you get a hold of God's peace, I don't need a Xanax to get up and get going in the morning. Come on, somebody. It just depends on what tree you're eating from. It's not you overcoming it. You just started the whole thing. You ate the wrong tree. You you felt a deficit and you tried to fill it with something that wasn't God. Simple as that. Some do it with heroin, some do it with ice cream. Ain't no difference. Ain't no difference. We're trying to fill a void that only God can fulfill. We won't put heroin addicts and ice cream addicts in two camps, but it's the same camp. You just ate the wrong tree. So here's what we do. We say, here's our, here, watch legalism. Watch legalism. Once an addict. Oh. So I simply exchange one bondage from another. I exchange my bondage of drugs to the bondage of I have to go to three meetings every week for the rest of my life. That's not Freedom. Once an addict, always an addict. Not true. And we see it, we see these legalistic walls built up. So I hear people, 16 years clean. That frightens me every time I hear it. Cause the day may come, two more years from now, and you hit a tragedy or some trauma in your life and you may fall back to what you used to know would help your pain. And then your whole system of 18 years clean goes down the toilet. Yet my Bible says if the righteous fall, he just gets up again and keeps going down. You're already clean by the word which he has spoken to you. Let me let me go a little further with you. Alcoholics are the worst. Telling you, they are. I, I love. Them. I can't. I can't ever have another drink because it'll take me back. That's not freedom. Now I'm not saying you should drink. Don't 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 go out here talking nonsense about me. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. God tells some people, don't drink. That's God telling you, and out of faith, we obey him. But if you're doing it because you're afraid, come on somebody. That's a legalistic system you've placed yourself in, and it blocks out the blessings of God. Why? Because the Bible says if you try to keep one, if you don't, if you get up under the law, even though you may not get to do them all, if you just miss one, you get under the curse of all of it. Come on now, but let's shift gears. Your prayer life can become a legalistic structure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. I pray every morning at 5 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. And I pray for one hour. Yeah. Yeah. And you know most of those people that say that? About five minutes in, they're like, yeah. 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 They're just trying to get the hour in. Right. 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 I've done it myself. I've had my wife and kids need to talk to me and I like, can't talk, I gotta pray. Legalistic structure. My friend Pastor Benny Hen used to be like that. He had to pray one hour before every service until one morning God got him. He was at a hotel up in Pittsburgh about to do a healing service and he loves uh, cartoons. So he got to watching Bugs Bunny <laughs> and time got away. Next thing you know, he looked, he was late for the meeting, watching Bugs Bunny. He got to the meeting, he said he was scared to death because he hadn't prayed. He said, I got up on the platform, he said, I didn't know what to do, I was just scared because I hadn't prayed. I started worshiping, all of a sudden I heard a scream, a loud scream. He said, I looked back in the auditorium, and there was some commotion going on, and men took off their coats and kind of made a circle. There was a lady who had come in the meeting that was, uh, had scoliosis so bad, her head was down on her hip in a brace. As soon as they started worshiping, God started straightening her spine and she was screaming because she was in pain. As soon as they, she got her shirt taken off and got the brace removed, her body went poop and she popped straight up just like that. And God radically healed her in one of the most tremendous healings he's ever seen. He said, just like the Holy Spirit said, let's get something straight right now. I don't do this because you pray an hour. I do this cause I love my people. Come on, somebody. These legalistic structures, these control things brings us under a curse. The Bible becomes a curse. Because we know it, and then we start using it to beat people with. Well, the Bible says Well, the Bible says, right? Jesus said, you search these scriptures thinking it will they will give you life, but they're actually just designed to show you me. I'm not interested. This is just a means. It's not the end. Oh, see, I got a hold of a legalistic structure right then. I felt it. This is not the end. Some people think it's the end so powerfully that they say you don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. They say, well, we got the Bible. We don't need the Holy Spirit. That's where the cessation teacher came. They thought the Bible was an end. It's not an end. This isn't the end. God's the end. This is the means to know God. I don't want to know the Lord's book. I want to know the Lord of the book. But it can become a legalistic system. And we take it out of context and build systems with it. And then what happens is we get up under a curse because we get under a guilty condemnation that it never wrote about. Dealt with it this week. Let me, let me just show you some power of this. Uh, Jews and uh, Italians are wine drinkers. Tutu bene, yeah. Huh? And they're the lowest percent of alcoholism in the earth. Like two percent. I've never been to a Jewish function where they were drinking and saw somebody drunk. Come on. Because they don't have a legalistic structure. See, in America, you abuse everything. We're not just gonna eat a chicken leg. We're gonna eat a whole chicken. And we're just not gonna drink a Coors lot. We're gonna be about nine into a 12. You know what I'm talking about? Watch this. Jews also allow divorce. And it's the lowest rate of divorce in the earth, 2%. 2% divorce rate among Jewish people. Christians, 50. Why? Because we built a legalistic system around it. And we took a scripture out of context that says, if you get divorced and you remarry, then you're committing adultery. And and it shows you the law doesn't work because 50% of us didn't listen to it anyway. Come on. But in reality, that's not what the scriptures say. If you, re, if you understand the scripture, the context of scripture, in that culture, what men were doing, these old rotten men, they would not divorce a wife because they didn't want to pay back the dowry. So they would, what they call, put her away. So basically wouldn't give her a divorce, just tucked her away so that they wouldn't have to pay back the dowry and they went on with other women. And the, what it's saying is, if you married one of the put away ones, then you're committing adultery. And he wasn't talking to the woman that had been put away or the one married him. His correction was to the man who would not give her a bill of divorcement and was putting her away. And we've built a legalistic structure in the church. That's why when people get a divorce in the church, they run to divorce lawyers because they're more concerned about their stuff. Don't make me preach. They're more concerned about who's gonna get what than what God's saying about it. Yet Jews, they go immediately to the rabbi and let him walk them through it and most times he saves them. Touch three or four people say, we tearing down some stuff today. Tell them. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm just, I'm just giving you some appetizers so you can find out what legalistic structure you've built. A lot of them we build with words. I'll never go back to that place. And you shut the door legalistically so you can never get back over. I'll never speak to him again. I'll never go back to that church. Then what happens when God calls you back? Come on. That we build legal. That's why these curses keep coming on us. Because we keep building legalistic structures and we try to get back up under the law. Never say never. That's why Jesus said something like this. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Don't, why do you, we always say, we, don't swear. And we think, somebody, and I say it all the time, I swear to God. And people are like, oh, that means nothing. What means nothing is when you commit a swear or an oath and you don't fulfill it, then you get under a legalistic structure. That's why he said, if you, if you co-sign from somebody, for somebody, Go immediately and get out of it because you put yourself under a curse. Debt is a legalistic structure. Now, I understand leverage. I understand real estate. I understand that. But in, but in the general term, debt is a legalistic structure. The borrower is servant to the lender. And so we taste of the wrong tree. Instead of eating the tree of life and being satisfied with what we have, we think buying more stuff is actually going to satisfy us. So we buy into a legalistic structure. Then we can't tithe, give, or do missions because we've built a legalistic financial structure that we can't get out of. You better touch three people and say, he's preaching to somebody now. 80% Eighty percent of Christians are living under a curse, financially. Why? Because you don't tithe. Ow. And I'm not. That has nothing to do with the church. That has to, That's just because you you bought to the curse, which was given in the garden where you will. All your life live by the sweat of your brow and what you can produce and you don't really believe that God has an abundance of stuff that he could connect with you with if you would, by faith, get in relationship with him in such a way that you said, God, I so believe you can provide above and beyond what I can produce. I'm gonna give you back 10% of everything I have and get into a covenant-walking relationship with you so you're no longer bound up by what you can produce, but you're bound by what he can produce and bring in your life. God can give you more in a day than you can earn in a lifetime under grace. Slap somebody high five, say God will provide. See if I got anything else good. (laughs) The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. If we could ever get out of these legalistic mindsets of our past failures, of our disappointments, and, and, and you just, it's, it's, not, it's not a guilt message, you've just eaten from the wrong tree. You've been eaten from the do-it-yourself tree instead of eating from the tree of life. And you're enjoying the fruit of it because you've eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so what it does is it causes you, this is very powerful, most rejection comes because we don't know who we are. Most of us in the body of Christ have some form of schizophrenia because we don't really know who we are in Christ, because we've been eaten of the tree of knowledge and good and evil for so long, then we're easily swayed by the opinions or doctrines of others, because what happens is we measure ourselves by ourselves and by others. So when we see, so, so, so what we wear or, or where we live is where we get our identity instead of in God. And then when we do get a revelation from God, that God may have spoken to you, then we compare ourselves with others. Right? And so now we, we put legalism on others, but well, what God told you by faith, you try to put it on somebody else. So God may tell you, don't drink. You say, yes, sir. But then you go tell other people you're not supposed to drink. And they're like, why? Because God said, no, he didn't. He said to you, Now, I'm not saying if it's in the Word that's different, but the Word doesn't condemn drinking; it condemns condemns drunkenness. Now, now I'm not working for Budweiser, so don't get get, get, don't get all up in a roar right here. I'm just trying to make some points. You can take that and make it for many, many, many different things. God may tell you don't smoke. Then you go tell people don't smoke. I, I hate this. Don't smoke; it's gonna kill your testimony. What in the world does that mean? What does smoking have to do with your testimony? It's going to kill your testimony. I ain't got a testimony. I'm still smoking. I ain't got nothing to kill. It's going to kill your testimony. Joyce Myers Taught the Bible in her house smoking Virginia Slims for two and a half years before she ever got a revelation. But let's be honest, how many of you see those Christians smoking? You're like right. Legalism. You track it with me? So I'm not even got time to get into the legalism we put on other people. But I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit is somehow opening our hearts and minds to to, to think what legalistic structures have we bought into and is keeping us from the blood. If there's any part of your life where there's no hope, and no great expectation for the future in that area, you're probably under a legalistic structure. But God's got a way out. Colossians 2, very powerful portion of God's word. I love Colossians. I'm about done, if y'all weren't wondering. Because we got carried away last week, remember? I don't want you to think I was carried away yet. Colossians 2, look at this. I love this. Colossians 2, 14. Having wiped out, (laughs) having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Man, if if you can get this. Jesus did not nail your sin to the cross. He nailed the handwriting of the requirements that was against you so that your sin would have no more power against you. (laughs) It wasn't your sin he nailed. He nailed the hand. Why? The law was only given. To show you your sin. Amen. That's right. Without the law, you wouldn't be aware that you were sold under sin. Once, you, once you're aware of that, that you were sold under sin, and I'm not negating the power of sin, but sin, the strength of sin, is the law. Once the law's removed, what happens is you're no longer living for God with rules and regulation, touch not, taste not, don't go here. You're living with God through revelation knowledge by the Holy Spirit. And against that, there is no law. You simply quit eating from the tree of the law and you start eating from the tree of life. Now what does God do? The fruit of that begins to come through your life. Are you with me? Having Nailed it to the cross. Somebody slap somebody a high five and say, Jesus nailed it. Tell them Jesus nailed it. Yeah. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a publicly speckled spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The cross is the most powerful message of the church because it's where the work was finished. Now what happens is it says I got this revelation years ago I was actually counseling a young man and what happens is when the handwriting of requirements was taken away it disarmed demons when we try to bring them back it empowers them again that's why some of the ang- some of the strongest spirits of anger I've ever seen are in church Because they've tried to bring the law back and live up under it. It produces all sorts of bitterness and anger and disappointment. And it doesn't free them up to love God and love each other. Because they've empowered the enemy. So anytime we side with the accuser. Against ourselves or against each other. We empower demons again and we make null and void the cross. See, the enemy will come to you saying, You're this, you're that. Y'all, anybody ever have that? Or is that you? just three of us? I know he's probably so busy with me he doesn't have time for you, but. <laughs> Kent, if you are an apostle, why did you act like that yesterday? See, he never accuses you of something that ain't true. If you really are a son of God, he always tries to get back into behavior to prove our identity instead of just who we are. So all you gotta do is don't side with him. Oh yeah, I did do that yesterday. Thank you very much, Mr. Satan but I am still an apostle and I am still a man of God. Why? I am not what I do. I am who I am because that's what he called me to be. Jesus refuted Satan. It is written. If you are a son of God, it is written. If you are a son of God, he's just, Jesus is just baptized Here's a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he had not done one thing for God. As soon as he's baptized, it says immediately he goes to the wilderness and Satan, if you are a son of God, if you are a son of God, if you, and try to get him to buy back into behavior. Here's the thing, I don't, I don't pursue God, love God, hate sin, avoid evil, and do any of these things to please God yeah. or to be accepted by God. I do these things because I am already accepted by God. Yeah. Y'all have children? How, most of you fit parents. <laughs> <laughs> If one of them screws up, you're no longer a Maddox, out. Their behavior has nothing to do with their identity. I'm breaking some legalistic structures in this house today, and I'm prophesying guilt and shame and past failures are being rolled off God's people so you can move into your destiny and to your future with God in Jesus' name. Woo! A tree got us out, and a tree got us back in. (laughs) Woo! A tree got us out and a tree brought us back in. Cursed is he who hung on a tree that we might be removed from the curse of the law. Jesus died so every religious, political, guilt and shame-based structure could be broken and we could enter into a personal relationship with God, eating the tree of life, which produces the fruit of the Spirit. So now when we are following God, it's not my effort. It's as I am connected to the tree of life. Jesus said, "Apart, from, I am the branch, is that right, or vine, You are the, how many of you have never seen a branch going? Trying to pop out an apple. They just hang there. And the only thing that's gonna make the apple come out is how much of the good stuff is flowing through. That's why as soon as you cut it off from the tree, It dies. Abide in me. Let my word abide in you. You will ask what you will. And it shall be done for you. That's that Christian life. Christian life's not do, 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 do. Christian life's done. It is finished. And so Jesus said... As often as you take communion, do this in remembrance of me. I'm convinced that we probably need to begin to take communion every day. To get our eyes off ourselves and onto Him as often as you do this he said do this in remembrance of me can you dream with me just a minute what if every day we just went to God realizing I can't get better I can't fix this I can't sort this situation out I can't overcome this and I can't do that the only way I can do it is if you do it through me. So Lord, I remember the cross. I remember the tree of life. And I come to the cross today and I receive the Holy Spirit afresh. And I just ask you to let the Spirit of Christ keep finding its expression through my life. Let the fruits of the Holy Spirit keep growing and manifesting through me. And just, this song's so powerful. He goes and fights my battles and makes me think I won the victory. All I did was worship, all I did was praise, all I did was remember the finished work. God did what he wanted to do. Paul got to the place in his life, he said, I refuse to know anything anymore than Christ and him crucified. That I might find my righteousness in him, not in my filthy rags not in what I can produce, because all my righteousness is as filthy rags before him. I have count everything but dung that I might know Christ and know the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection and his life-giving strength that flows through me. On a daily basis, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I just believe during communion today that God wants to shake us away, free from some legalistic structures we've put ourselves under some boundaries we've put up that to, that's keeping God from working and moving in our life I had a friend of mine who was a heroin addict I said how'd you finally get free? He said, I finally got a revelation. I said, what was it? He said, that I couldn't get free. He said, I went to Jesus and I said, Jesus, I love heroin more than I love you. That's just the fact. Because I can live without you, Jesus, but I can't live without this heroin. So here's the deal, Jesus. Unless you take it from me, I can't find my way clear of it. Next morning, he said, I woke up and the desire was gone. Now, I'm not saying keep hanging out with your drug addict buddies. Because it says, by the mercy of God, atonements are made. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart or run from evil. But I'm afraid we've exchanged the couch for for the cross. That we want to counsel everybody out of their problems instead of realizing it's the cross and the power of the cross and the power of the blood and the power of the atonement that makes God's power available to us. But we have, it's not the cross plus something. It's not the cross plus your effort or my wisdom or your anointing or mine. It's just in the cross alone that redemption, salvation, deliverance, and provision is found. One of the most powerful experiences I've had recently is with uh, Bob McLeod. I walked into his office. He didn't even say hello. He just started singing to me about the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my soul was rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. He looked at me right in the eyes and he said, Kent, when was the cross not enough? It's not the cross plus your effort, Kent. It's just the cross. If you'll go there daily, you'll find the strength to do everything God's told you. we go to the cross together today come on stand up with me let's get our communion out i know we can't handle all this in a day but the holy spirit told me that as we we're about eight weeks away from passover Holy Spirit told me this year that we're not to celebrate Passover leaving Egypt. This year we're supposed to leave, celebrate Passover, entering the promised land. Gave me Joshua five. It says when they got ready to cross over and walk into their inheritance, they celebrated Passover together. And God rolled away their reproach and they entered a new season. This Passover, many of you are about to step into your destiny and your inheritance and your purpose and the gifts and the callings that God has empowered you and called you to walk in. So I think this is just my opinion. I almost, what I'm going to try to do is not legalistically, but my attempt is going to be, I'm going to try to take communion every day between now and Passover. And just get my eyes fixed, if I can, on the cross and on God's provision and God's goodness, God's love, no matter what the enemy's hollering at me about. Huh? Because the enemy will holler at you and try to get you to agree with him and build a legalistic structure that you can't get out of. But as soon as that enemy starts screaming at you, just go to the cross. I love what Jensen Franklin says. I don't plead innocent. I don't plead guilty. I plead the blood. It's the blood of Jesus, His body broken. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is let's see. All my effort is futile without the Holy Spirit working in my life. So, Lord, today, here's what we simply do. We walk away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lord, we refuse to keep eating Satan's bait. We refuse to keep siding with the accuser. When you've already called clean, you've already called what's unclean clean, so we gotta quit siding with that. You called us righteous, you called us redeemed, you called us saved, adopted, and accepted. So we're just gonna say yes to that, and that's who we are. And we're gonna be patient while our behavior catches up with actually who who we actually are. Trusting that you're working in us and the good work you started, you're gonna finish it. Lord, we're sorry for using the tree of knowledge of good and evil and judging others. judging others with our words, putting these legalistic walls on them because their sin's not our sin or maybe we thought their sin was greater than our sins. We know that doesn't work very long. Lord, we just come to you today and we remember the cross. We remember that bloody beating. The shame of being naked on a tree. The Son of the Living God. The Prince of Glory. Hanging in shame. Gasping for air. Taking upon you the sin of the world removing the curse forgive us for neglecting so great a salvation because Lord we remember it's not just that our sins are forgiven we're thankful for that but it's through that same work that atonement was made that our bodies could be healed, that our minds could be renewed, that our spirits could come alive, that our destinies could unfold, that our purpose could come to fruition, that the curses of the earth could be broken off our life, that poverty could be moved away and addiction done away with and all these things that are trying to keep us out of our inheritance. we receive today a fresh revelation of the tree of life and we ask that you let us eat of it every day and may our light get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter till the day of your coming so we take your body we hold it up represented this cracker is your body broken and we break it and we receive it in Jesus name lift up the cup we thank you Lord that the blood not only cleanses us of our sin but even cleanses our consciousness of sin so that we can serve the living God Lord we decree over our lives and family every generational legalistic structure that's been formed by the enemy is broken today by the blood of Jesus. Every word of the accuser that has come against us in our family, we say it's made null and void by the blood of Jesus today. Every curse that's been at work in our lives, we thank you that the blood of Jesus now defeats every curse. And we say what God blesses, no man can curse. and We receive it by faith today in Jesus' name.
2: Die for me
1: come on let's lift our hands and
2: worship just a minute amazing love I know it's true it's my joy to honor forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. I'm accepted. accepted. You were condemned. You You were were condemned. condemned. I'm alive and well. I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me because you died and rose again. George, you are.
1: I speak these words over you from Paul the apostle that said, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And this life which we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Lord, may the life of God flow through us this week like we've never experienced it before as we feast from the tree of life and stay far away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb from the hand of the enemy. Somebody shout amen. I love you guys. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280
0: or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.